Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. If you'd like to, uh, you can join me in Matthew chapter 1 again this week. Um, This week we're continuing our sermon series that we've called Hope Was Born This Night. And and we're looking at the journey that Mary and Joseph take from, from just these random folks that nobody's ever heard of to the birth of Jesus. That that Mary and Joseph's story, it's this story where where they've lived life. And then all of a sudden we're introduced to the most incredible story ever told. And we're walking through this story and trying to just put ourselves in their shoes and understand what we can understand about our lives as they've walked through their story. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Lori talked to us about Mary finding out that that she was going to be the mother of God, that she was going to, that the Holy Spirit was, was going to give her a baby. And, and then last week, we started to look at the other side of that coin. The, 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 the person that I talked about is kind of the forgotten man of Christmas. Uh, we, we began to look at the story of Christmas through Joseph's eyes, through, through the man chosen to be the father of God. And when we began to to look at at how that unfolded and what we can learn in our lives from that. Last week, we we talked about how Joseph had to find out how Mary was pregnant. See, not by an angel like Mary had, but through conversation. Through through potentially seeing his his wife who was three months pregnant, but, but not by him. That Mary had an angel come and speak to her. And Joseph, he had to find out the same way you and I find out. And we talked about how Joseph had to wrestle with all the natural fears and emotions that come with finding out that your fiancé is pregnant, but not by you. And how he had to wrestle with what to do and how do I respond and what do I do about this and what can I do about this and what is even allowed. And Joseph, we saw that he eventually decides that he's going to take the kindest route that he can think of. That he's going to do the best thing he can think of for himself and for Mary. He decides that he's going to divorce Mary quietly. That he could make a public spectacle of this and embarrass her and, and let everyone know, hey, I wasn't unfaithful, she was. But, but Joseph decides instead that he's going to just divorce her quietly and, and they'll be able to go their separate ways and, and it'll be okay. And what we discover is that Joseph makes this decision and then he goes to bed. He, he goes to sleep. And we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, that after he had considered this, after he had come to the decision that he was going to divorce Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And we see where, where God intervenes into Joseph's story. 
at just the right moment. See, he had, he had thought about it and thought about it and, thought, and decided tomorrow, this is what I'm going to do. And that night as he goes to sleep, he, get what, he got what Mary got months earlier. An angel appears to him and, and says to him, don't be afraid. And then the angel goes on to confirm for Joseph the wildest story he's ever heard. The, the craziest story he's ever heard. That, that when Mary said, I'm pregnant, but it's God's, it's the Holy Spirit, it's, it's God who's done this to me, that Joseph, when he hears that, he, of course that sounds ridiculous. But the angel says to him, it's actually true. It's true. It wasn't infidelity. But what you're seeing in front of you is the unfolding of God's plan for, for you, for Mary, and for the whole world. Don't be upset. And Joseph learns that what Mary said was true. And, and he begins to, to unpack that. But I want to I stop here for a moment. Because sometimes... Well, as we read stories like this, there, there are sometimes things that, that we can, can recognize inside of ourselves or, or thoughts that we have inside of ourselves that are sometimes hard to verbalize. But I want to stop here for a moment and, and maybe verbalize some thoughts that I'm sure are, are true in this story, and I'm sure they've been true for your life. But I, I want to say that sometimes God's ways baffle me. Sometimes the way God works, it's confusing. It doesn't make sense to me. See, if I'd been directing the events of the first Christmas, not that anyone asked, but I'll, I'll share my opinion anyway. But if I had been directing the events of the first Christmas, see, I would have preempted the tension and the misunderstanding between Mary and Joseph by sending the angel that talked to Mary to go talk to Joseph right after. See, when he started his day at work, I would tell him, I would say, hey, you need to go talk to Mary, then go talk to Joseph, then you can have your lunch break. But, but it, I, I don't want any, I want you to go directly from Mary to Joseph to make sure they're on the same page so that when they both woke up in the morning and they could run to each other and be like, I had the craziest night. Me too. An angel appeared to me. Me too. What did your angel say? I'm going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That's what my angel said. And instead of it being this journey for Joseph where he's lost and confused and Mary who's, well, how he doesn't know. What is he going to do? What is going to, there's this whole story. Instead of the story unfolding the way it does, Mary and Joseph could have been on the same page from day one and said, we got this. We, together, let's do this. But instead, God does it differently. And yet it seems so simple to me. But scripture will tell us this. God will tell us this. He will say as high or as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What God is, is telling us is, you, you don't, you, you can't understand me. 
That, that it's not just that, that it, it's hard. And it's not just that sometimes it won't make sense. But there are going to be times where, where as high as the heavens are above the earth, which is, is a metaphorical picture. It's not like if you just keep going up, eventually you find yourself in heaven. It's not like even if you keep going up, eventually you find yourself, oh, I'm in the sky now. Is you go up and it just keeps going up as high as that metaphorically is above where you are now. That's the way that my thoughts work in a different way than yours. So why does God send an angel to tell Mary right out of the gate, but makes Joseph walk through this process before seemingly telling him at the last minute. Remember, he said after he had considered these, after he had decided he was going to divorce Mary in the morning, that's the moment, that's seemingly the last moment God steps in and intervenes. Why, why does God do it that way? And, and as a pastor, it, it sure would be nice to have some kind of grand proclamation or, or some kind of reasoning. Maybe something that rhymed, because that's always helpful in a sermon. That, that if, if you can make something rhyme, then, then that sounds really God-ordained. Or at least if it was multiple points, they could at least all start with the same letter. Because that really helps. It helps people remember. It's really great. It's, as a pastor, I would love to be able to stand up before you and say, here are the four Ps as to why God works the way he does. But I need to, to be honest with you for a moment and say, why did God send an angel to Mary and have Joseph walk the road he had to walk? The answer I can give you today is, I don't know. I don't know why God seemingly was so caring and gracious and encouraging for Mary, but let Joseph stew. I don't know why. But here's what I do know. God sent Joseph the direction he needed it when he needed it. Not much before, but when Joseph needed to know what God had for him, God showed him. And it gives me encouragement, and it gives me hope, and it gives me confidence that, that he'll do the same for him. Or for me, sorry. When I, when I feel the panic because I'm not sure of what's next. When I look at something, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the next step is. I can at least go and say, well, neither did Joseph. But when he needed to know, God was there for him. And I think maybe that's part of the reason why. is because sometimes our lives, they can look a little bit like Mary's. Where, where we know where either God has told us or God has given us a plan or God has given us the next steps in our lives. and They may be challenging, but God has laid out before you and said, this is what I have for you. But I think a lot of times in our lives, our story looks more like Joseph's. Where, where life seemingly just happens around us. Where we're not told this is what's going to happen next. This is what's going to take place. You just come home one day and your fiance's pregnant. That, that life just kind of happens. At least seemingly that's what happens. And, and we just have to trust 
and believe in the middle of all of that, that God has something for us. And we see all throughout this story that that God warns and directs and provides for Joseph step by step. See, after Jesus is born, they they live in Bethlehem for a couple years. And as they're there, Herod, the the ruler of the area, he makes this proclamation that that all the babies, they're going to have to be killed because he's worried about this prophecy about Jesus and him being the king and all of these things. And it it will tell us that an angel appears to Joseph and, and he tells him, you need to go now to Egypt. And what we read is that Joseph gathers his family and he goes now to Egypt. And we see that God continued to, to, to show up for Joseph when he needed it. And, and that gives me hope that for me, God will show up when we need it. But verse 21, the angel's not finished yet. This, this isn't the end of the conversation. Verse 21 says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The angel adds a detail about who this baby will be. His name is Jesus, which means savior. His mission is to save his people from his sin. That it's not just any baby, it is the baby. It is the Messiah, it is the Savior. But I want to I just take a quick detour here for a moment because there's something I want to make sure that, that we're all aware of as we walk through this season. As we read in the verse that, that you are to give him the name Jesus. What we need to make sure that we're all on the same page of is is. Jesus wasn't actually the name he was given. See, Jesus is a Greek rendition of the name Joshua. And Joshua would be more like the name that Jesus was actually given. But in in ancient Hebrew at the time, there was no letter J. And so Jesus, the name that he would have been given was Yeshua. That that would have, uh, the name that the angel would have spoken wouldn't have been Jesus, because that was a Greek name, and you wouldn't name your, your Hebrew Messiah a Greek name. So he would have said, you shall name him Yeshua. Now, Yeshua means the Lord saves. But because of the prevalence of, of the Greek language, at the time of the New Testament, see, when, when the Bible was written, or the, when, at least when the New Testament was written, everybody spoke what was called Koine Greek. It was a version of the Greek language, and it was like the language that you had to speak. That, that it was the language, everybody knew their, 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 their like ancestral language, but you also had to know Greek, because that was the, the language of the Roman Empire. And when a Roman soldier spoke to you, saying, sorry, I don't speak Greek, wasn't the right answer. And so everybody had to know how to speak Greek. And so as the story of of Yeshua, the story of Jesus, goes out and from this little tiny town called Bethlehem, and the story goes out and out and out and out into the whole world, the story begins to be told in Greek. And as they're telling it in Greek, they start using the Greek name, for this baby, for this person, for this man, for this Messiah. 
And then that becomes the name that he becomes known by, more so than his Hebrew name, all the way through till today. So as we talk about Jesus, that, that, that is the name that we use to refer to the Son of God. But when the angel gave him his name, he didn't give him the name Jesus. He would have given him the name Yeshua. Now, the next couple of verses in Matthew chapter 1, they're not actually about the story itself, but it's the author Matthew, who who was one of Jesus' disciples, and he writes down the story of Jesus' life. Led by the Holy Spirit, he writes down the story of Jesus' life. And one of the priorities that he had in telling the story was to let people know that, that this Messiah that was coming, he was foretold in the Old Testament, that that. The Old Testament prophets were speaking of this person. And so what we see here is is that he takes us out of the story for a second and just reminds us of something from the Old Testament. Uh, This morning, Christine read us from from the book of Isaiah when when she read that scripture to us. And and here what we're going to see is that that the author of Matthew, Matthew, is going to take us to that same book. And he's going to say this. All this was done, that he was going to be named Jesus... All this took place, that that Mary was a virgin, that it was the Holy Spirit. All of the story so far took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. That's Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, here's another place where where maybe you're confused, because I thought they said his name was Jesus. Right out of the gate. Well, they would call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel isn't Jesus, and Jesus isn't Emmanuel. Isaiah wasn't meaning that his name would be Emmanuel, but that they would call him God with us. That, that, that he would be no, that when people would speak about this coming Messiah, they would talk about him as God coming to be with us. And that's how we talk about Christmas is God came to be with us. And so we see in these verses that Jesus means Savior, and Emmanuel means God with us. And what we discover is that Jesus was both. We needed a Savior because we're sinners. But the only way that God could save us was to leave heaven and live among us to become Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's about the truth that that God actually came down from heaven in the person of a little baby. It's about the truth that Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary in a village called Bethlehem. And it's about the truth that Jesus was fully God and fully man. But there's a couple more verses. We're going to just look at two more verses this morning that I want to talk to you about because I think these are such amazing verses. And we actually see so much in these verses. Closing out Matthew chapter 1, there's verse 24 and 25. Verse 24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. This verse to me should be one of our core Christmas verses. 
That, that as we read this Christmas story, as we recite, you know, Luke 2 is, is the story that we go to. But I think Matthew 1.24 should be right up there with anything else because this is an incredible moment. Remember what Joseph went to sleep thinking. In the morning, I'm going to divorce Mary. But what do we read happened the next morning? When Joseph woke up the next morning, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Everything changed that one night. Now verse 25 says, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now I can understand why that one's not such a Christmas verse. That feels like a little bit too much information. That the overshared a little bit. We, we don't need to know that. Thank you very, you know, it's a little specific. Um, but I think that these verses are just incredible because when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, and he takes Mary as his wife. Joseph demonstrates this obedience of faith, and then we get this weird little bit of information about how they didn't consummate their marriage, and Joseph named him Jesus. But there's actually three things that I want to highlight for you really quickly that these verses tell us that are so important for us to get. First, by marrying Mary quickly, he broke all Jewish custom. Remember last week, we talked about the process of, of engagement and betrothal and marriage that they would have to go through. And, and Joseph, to wake up in the morning and say, I'm marrying you today, was, was to defy all of that, was to walk away from all of his custom. But he protected Mary's reputation. She was pregnant, and he wasn't the father, but he said, I'm going to marry you today, Anyway, number two, but by keeping her a virgin until she was born, he protected the miracle of Jesus' conception by the Holy Spirit. That, that because we have this note, we know that it was a miracle. As awkward as it might be for us to have this note, it's still an important note to have. And then to wrap up the story of Joseph, at least in this part, we read that, and he gave him the name Jesus. And by naming the baby Jesus, what we see here is this moment where even though Joseph knows that his, his, his wife is pregnant and he knows that the baby isn't his, when we read that he gave the baby the name Jesus, what we see is Joseph taking responsibility for this baby. That that, that was the Jewish custom, was, was the father got to name the baby. And so in Joseph doing this, it's Joseph saying, he's my baby now. And it's him taking a step of faith and trusting and believing the angel, trusting and believing the Mary, that this isn't somebody else's baby, this is God's baby, and for now, he's my son. And so we have this fulfillment of the story of Joseph where he's riddled with doubt, riddled with fear to the point where he, he marries Mary and he says, her baby is my son. We give more attention 
to Mary in the Christmas story, and, and rightly so. The Bible does too. But Joseph deserves his credit too. He's the model of a man of faith, but we see him struggling with doubts and worries, persuaded to believe what God has said, and ultimately following through on God's call on his life. There's one last thing that I just want to mention about Joseph. When Jesus grew up and began his ministry, he, he chose one word above all others to describe what God was like. He called him Father. And where did Joseph learn about fathers? Sorry, where did Jesus learn about fathers? Kind of spoiled it there. Where did Jesus learn about fathers? Joseph. Joseph is a wonderful model of what a person of God can look like. He was tough. He was strong when he could have been weak. He could have ran away at any point. He could have said, this is all too much for me. This is insane. I'm just a simple carpenter guy angels and the Holy Spirit and babies and th th this ain't for me. You got to find somebody else. He could have ran away. He was tender when he could have been harsh. Even in, in deciding to divorce Mary, he, he took the most gentle, kind route that he could find. He was thoughtful when, when he could have been hasty. He, he took time to consider. We read it when, after he had thought about these things. And, and he was trusting when he could have doubted. He, it was a lot to take in. I, I love my wife dearly. But if we had this same kind of conversation, it would be really hard to believe. She came and said, I'm pregnant, and it's not yours, it's God's. It'd be really easy to doubt that. Even if an angel came and spoke to me, that will only carry you so far. Until you're like, well, this isn't what I thought it would be. And so I want to stop and ask these questions. Could we use those same words to describe our lives? Are you tough-minded, determined to do what is right no matter the cost? Are you tender with others when the natural response is to be harsh? I'm sure that when Mary told him, I'm pregnant, probably some not-so-tender thoughts went through his mind. And, and we can be guilty of responding in the moment. Something happens and I got something to say about this. And so often when we respond like that, we've got to walk that back later on. But are, are you thoughtful, taking your time to make important decisions? Or are you quick to jump to conclusions and to say something you might later regret? Or are you trusting even when you think you could figure out a better way to do things. 
See, I pray for qualities like Joseph. Willing to see people and circumstances from from God's perspective, even when it means I, I might be misunderstood. Taking a stand for the Lord when it's unpopular or, or even foolish. Not being so set in my story that God can't intervene and redirect me. W- willing to surrender where I live, what my career looks like, the future I've dreamed of, and allow my personal life to be turned upside down for the sake of offering his message of forgiveness to the world. There aren't many details given to us about Joseph in Scripture. But God must have felt that he was a pretty special man to take on the task of raising the Son of God. Joseph's courage astounds me. He he was willing to be Mary's protector and provider as he adjusted to the drastic change in his story when he didn't know what the next day would hold, not to mention months or years from now. He trusted God to give him wisdom beyond what he could imagine as he became the parent of the child who was the Messiah. But this is what I think is amazing about the story of Joseph is it's so easy for us to look at a story like Joseph's and see this incredible call on his life to do the seemingly impossible, to accept this story, to accept this this woman, to accept this child, to accept all of these. That sounds like too much for me. But what I love about the story of Joseph and the story of so many in the Bible is that we're not just presented with this superhuman who did all of that. But we get to walk through his journey of doubt and fear and worry and his unsureness. And and maybe in your life, maybe you identify with the superhuman who can do anything. But I would wager that for a lot of us, what we can more identify with is the anxious nervous, worried, fearful side of Joseph. But the amazing thing is when Joseph went to bed thinking, I'm going to divorce Mary in the morning, God didn't look at Joseph and go, I'm done with this loser. His faith is pathetic. God said, He's the guy I'm going to use. And so my prayer for for you and for me is, as we've walked through the story of Joseph for the last couple of weeks, is that you would be encouraged. Because maybe you've been called to do the impossible, or maybe you've been called to just do something that feels impossible. And maybe as you've been walking this, you've been filled with doubt, and worry, and fear, and maybe even decided, I'm not going to do this anymore. But in the story of Joseph, we see someone who did all of those things, and God said, and you're the one for me. 
And that's what God has for you today. You are the one for him in your story, in your life, in what he's called you to do and called you to be. As worried and fearful and anxious as you might be, you're the one for him. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that in each one of our lives, God, we, we have been called at moments and times and places to do what feels like it's impossible. To, to walk a road that we feel ill-equipped to walk. To be people that we, we don't feel like we can be. To live lives that are more than we have the strength to do. And, and as we walk our, out our faith, God, we are confronted with moments of doubt and worry and maybe even turning back and giving up and saying, this just isn't for me anymore. God, I thank you that in your word, we, we can see people just like us. God, I thank you that in your word, it will say that Elijah was a man just like us. God, I thank you that Joseph was a man just like us. God, I thank you that, that you call real people with real emotions, with real feelings, with real insecurities, and you choose us. You don't settle for us. You choose us. And God, I pray that as we've looked at the story of Joseph, God, if there's those today who feel insecure about how they can be used, who they are, how could God use me? God, I pray that in the story of Joseph, we would see ourselves and we would understand that, that you still choose us. God, I pray that that would fill us with courage, with assurance, with, with confidence in the face of doubt and, and assurance in the face of fear that even when we're unsure, we can place our hope and our trust in you. God, I thank you for the miracle of Christmas. I thank you for the miracle of Mary. I thank you for the miracle of Joseph. I thank you for the miracle of this story. And God, I thank you that you are still a miracle-working God today. And God, I thank you that in each one of our lives, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I thank you that you have chosen us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You could have stepped into creation with fire. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on Contact Us from the main menu, or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Yeah.
Let heaven and nature sing This is our king 